Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to my virtual cool kids table. Started this show five and a half years ago so that I could have access to the leaders in business who are really doing cool things. And what I have found over the years is that I know one thing is always true, and that is success leaves clues. So if you ever feel like, you know, you're missing something, you just have to get around people who are doing really good things, doing cool things, and they can't help it. They leave a nugget, a theory, an idea, a concept behind, and you pick it up and run with it. So we are in some really uncertain times right now with what's going on with the coronavirus. And so I wanted to do this episode this week. It's coming out right smack in the middle of March. If you're listening to this sometime in the future, you know, all of a sudden everything is being canceled. I happen to have spoken at a conference earlier this week and uh, we all went home yesterday and the organizer of the event sent something out that said if our event was next week, it would have been canceled because while a week ago there were concerns now the whole world has changed. And I think that brings a lot to the business world. Now, many of you know who I am. I work, I make my living working in what's called the meetings industry. I'm a professional speaker who works for associations and corporations speaking at their events, doing training inside companies and, and hosting as like a master of ceremonies for these live in-person conferences. And that was the first industry to start getting hit. It started happening about three weeks ago one by one, different organizations were canceling their events. The big one was South by Southwest got canceled, but all of a sudden it was everything else. I have a friend whose daughter goes to the University of Michigan. He just texted me right before I started recording saying Michigan has canceled their graduation, which is still two months away. So this is real, but what it brings with it is a lot of overwhelm and uncertainty. And I think as a business owner, some people are freaking out. I know I am. I watched my whole calendar for the next six to eight weeks evaporate. Every event I was supposed to speak at, bar one, has already canceled. And the truth is that one could go away in the next couple of days as well. And I'll tell you, it's okay. I have a positive attitude. I believe that tough things make us stronger. But I also am a solopreneur. I just have to deal with my own issues and that of my family. But some entrepreneurs have a lot of employees, a lot of customers who depend on their product in order to be able to even do anything they do. And I thought, you know, we need to talk about this on my podcast because while I try to have a lot of fun on the show, 
I also need to be providing a service. And so I thought, who is the best person to talk about this? And I reached out to my friend, Eliz Green. She is the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Stress Proof Your Heart. And she is a leading expert on leadership in times of overwhelm and uncertainty. And I think you can all agree that right now there's a lot of overwhelm and there's a lot of uncertainty. So Eliz, thank you for giving us your time and joining us here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. It is my pleasure. So Eliz, why don't you start off, can you give us a little bit about your background? Who are you and, and what makes you an expert on stress? Uh, well, the short answer would be I practice all of the things I tell people to do every day because uh, when I was 35 years old and seven months pregnant with twins, I had a heart attack, which fortunately I survived and my daughter survived. But that, uh, from that time forward, put my my health and really the existence of our family as a four-person unit at at risk and. That amount of uncertainty is something that I deal with every day. The stress that comes along with that is is significant. And I've spent the almost two decades, I can't believe my daughters are, you know, 19. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's stressful. Uh, They're, you know, talking about uncertainty. They are both freshmen in college at two different universities. And over the past seven days, we have been hit with all kinds of information about the campuses closing and going to virtual classroom sort of experiences. We were not expecting to move our daughters home this week. (laughs) So it's a lot. And What I have done for myself and for people that I've worked with in those two decades is really come up with a skill-based way of dealing with stress so that you can withstand uncertainty, overwhelm, protect your health, and your productivity and your ability to really lead through that as well. Well, I mean, I think this is a super important topic, especially right now, but probably you could mm-hmm. find this episode three years from now when coronavirus is a distant memory. And still, we're right. going to get to a lot of important advice for entrepreneurs, business owners, business leaders, and really anybody who is facing stress and overwhelm. And I would say right now, that is pretty much most of the population of the world. <laughs> yes. You know, what are we, 7 billion, 9 billion people somewhere in there? <sighs> I think there's more stress and overwhelm than, than at any time. And, and I'm not a really kind of woo-woo type person, but I think that we all need to kind of uh, take a moment and breathe because we will get through this as a species and as a planet. But right now, I think it, it is crazy. So I wanted to have you on on this call because I think there's a lot of people who don't know where to start, right? I mean, we talked about the right. meetings industry where I work and you work and just literally calendars of work that is hundreds of thousands of dollars for us and our peers just, right. evap- just evaporating. But all of a sudden, I have children. I have, I have a child who uh, is a high school senior. They're talking about canceling prom, canceling graduation, going to virtual classes. You talked about your daughters in college. That's got to be stressful for the kids. But these teachers, oh, yeah. 
these teachers in colleges and high school, many of them have never taught a virtual class. And, and you know, you know, being a speaker, it's not the same skill set. I mean, a lot of speakers no. are like, I'll just do my work virtually. Well, good luck. It's not the same thing. No. Well, and you and I know that very specifically because that's one of the things that we do, right, is act as that conduit for engagement for virtual events. Yeah. So it's not just like, Talking head time. Four years ago, Eliz and I started a product called The Conference Talk Show. And the idea was as events start having a virtual hybrid option, yeah, you can just streamline your main stage, but what do you do when right. lunch comes? The The home audience gets a little slide that says we'll be back in an hour. So she and I created a program where we're, we were like the, the the Today Show. We would sit there with a cup of coffee. <laughs> we would interview the speakers and the attendees. I think we were a little ahead of our time. Maybe after this right. all gets back to normal, the conference talk show is going to become the hottest thing hottest thing around as more virtual events start happening. But, right. but this is stressful for the people who have to teach the classes. It's stressful for the kids. So So let's dive into this. Well, and let me just oh, say, I had a conversation today with a small business owner that I frequent and those decisions about, do you stay open? Do you modify? Do you close? It, the, that is a really stressful period of time to try to figure out what's the best thing to do for your own health, for your employees, for your customers. It's, it's a lot. Well, and last night I flew home from the event that I was at uh, across the country and I parked my car in an offsite lot. So the van comes by and I get in and, and I said something about crazy times. He goes, everyone I've driven today starts the conversation with that. And yeah. uh, he said that his boss yesterday told all of the people who drive the vans we're going to have to cut back hours because people aren't going to be flying, which means their cars aren't here. And he's a young man who supports a family and that's his job. And so it's like this, yeah. this is impacting everybody at all levels of, of our society. So let, let's get into this, Eliz. Why is uncertainty stressful in the first place? This is one of the things when I was researching my book that I found so fascinating is that our brains do not like uncertainty. Our brains <laughs> mine, mine like, doesn't. <laughs> our brains like predictability. And it doesn't matter if a situation is predictably good or predictably bad. We would rather have that predictability than uncertainty. So think about if you are at work and it is 4.45 on a Friday and you get called into your, your boss's office unexpectedly, one of three things are possible. You know that you are a rock star employee and there is no way you're getting fired. That is predictably good. You know that you've been sliding a bit. <laughs> you're, a li you're, a little, you're a little skater. Right? And... You think this may be where you get fired. That is predictably bad. Both of those situations are less stressful than I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, wow. Right. Uh -huh. So our brains, even if it's predictably bad, would still rather have that than uncertainty. I'd rather be fired than not know why I'm going to the boss's office. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So when you think about what's going on right now, there is really an unprecedented amount of uncertainty. The information that we're getting is changing by the hour in terms of, 
you know, is it okay to go out? Or is it, you know, do we need to stay in? Should we be going to the concert? Should we not go to the concert? Do they, you know, what should we believe? So we are constantly living in that unpredictability and our brains don't like it. And that's where stress comes. Now, the problem with that is in an uncertain situation, what we need to do is think critically and creatively to deal with that. And that's the very thing our brain isn't allowing us to do. Because when we're stressed, that cortisol pumps in and it screws with our brains Mm. and it makes us react Mm. rather than be proactive about things, step back and think about them, try to be rational about them. We're in that reactive state all of the time, which is why we feel unsettled and anxious and just plain stress. Wow. So if if our brains are pumping us full of stress because of everything that's going on and uncertainty with our jobs, with our family, with our incomes, with, you know, is our child's graduation going to happen? Do they have to move home from the dorms? Will my daughter's wedding happen in May? Is there going to be a ban to travel to certain places? Will my son be able to get home from wherever he is in Europe because the planes aren't flying? If all these things are happening and they're pumping us through with this and it's paralyzing us, right? Is that, is that fair to say? Exactly right. Uncertainty can be absolutely paralyzing. So what can we do about it as someone in, let's take this, we're a business show. Let's start with business. What can we do as a boss, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a leader for ourselves, then for our employees and, and maybe then even for our customers, what, what can we do in those three areas? So when we focus on predictability, the first thing on a personal level, So that leader who's trying to make all of these decisions where critical and creative thought is really important, figuring out what are the things you can control and what are the things you can't control. And unfortunately, we tend to sort of focus on the stuff that we can't control. We can't control whether or not we're going to be exposed to the coronavirus. There's lots of other things we can control And by actively controlling them and taking steps to control them, we feel better because we're actually doing something. And we have now made it possible for that to feel more predictable and our stress level goes down. So every email I get says, wash your hands a lot. Is that is does that tie into what you're saying that it's predictable that we can do that? So therefore it helps us. Right. And so if if we're it's 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 all good it's all good okay. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling all right my dogs were unpredictably barking uh because my husband is home working from home so unlike my normal experience where i probably if i was recording a podcast would have locked them up but my husband's home and i just sort of forgot to do it because uh he his office is now encouraging people well, to work from home. Well, sometimes I would stop the episode and like edit it, but I think I think it's too important. I think we have to roll and I think your dogs barking are a perfect example of exactly what we're talking about. I cannot at that moment control. So that's exactly it. I can control whether or not my dogs bark during a podcast recording because I have ways of controlling that. I just didn't this time. <laughs> so Things that we can control. 
I am not cleaning out my local store of toilet paper. (laughs) I did go buy one more package because we were low so that I can limit the number of times I am a daily grocery store uh, visitor because I can never make up my mind what I want to eat for dinner. Uh, well, we we are too because we have avocados every day and, and avocados are like too hard, too hard, too hard, George, ready to eat right. and spoiled. So, <laughs> so you have to buy your avocados every day. Right. So if we're, if we're dealing with things about are we going to have to have that social distancing? Are we going to be not going to work and staying at our home? Our children are coming home from college and doing distant learning. What are the things I can, I can control? I can control the fact that I need better Wi-Fi to make all of that work. So I took care of that. I can't control lots of things, but I can make sure that we have what we need in our house so that this is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this then at the level of, okay, you're the boss. You've taken some predictability and put some things in. Now, what about your employees? How do you help other people do this? One of the best things that leaders can provide to their team is predictability. You may not be able to control whether or not you stay open to the public or how work is going to happen, but your relationship to your employees, your response to them, and just your stability, if that stays predictable, your people are going to be okay. And then what about our customers? If we have to, you know, some of some of us like I, I provide services when there are meetings. If there's no meetings, I don't have a, a mission right. critical. My, my I'm super mission critical to a conference. If I'm the opening keynote speaker, I have to be there or I could right. ruin the conference. But if you cancel all the conferences, I'm no longer mission critical for that portion of the type of work I do. So what does that mean uh, if you are mission critical? What can you do for your customers to make sure that you're not stressing them out as a vendor? I think we've all received 37,000 emails from everybody we've ever done business with ever telling us that they're cleaning. (laughs) That's not really helping me. Like I assume that you're cleaning. How are you going to stay relevant to the people who buy your services or products if they can't buy it? There are ways to still do that whether that's providing some sort of online resource for them that isn't the same as what they had, but is still staying relevant. But even a simple, thank you. We appreciate your business in the past. We're making the best decisions we can and hope that you'll be back to us. I I think it's going to be an evolving situation in terms of how we're serving our customers. So interestingly, I have received, in fact, I should have five days ago started a special folder where I just moved everything, but it would probably <laughs> clog my email to an absolute stop. I have received 
how many countless emails that are titled something around coronavirus. Right. So what I'm saying is, is we need we need to have more personal touches than mass newsletter right. blasts that say, you know, coronavirus and us or whatever. I think I think right. that I don't think that people are stressing me out less by sending me more mass emails. Absolutely. And the the other piece to what causes stress in this situation is the overwhelm. So we're inundated with all kinds of information, much of which we're trying to sort through and figure out what we need to pay attention to. So when you're peppering your either your staff or your clients with information they don't actually need, that's not helping anybody. So choosing very clear and as personal as possible communication is really the way to, to get the job done. Um, a wonderful example is actually happening now in real time. I actually popped off of this to do uh, that to do this. Uh, Lawrence University, which is where one of my daughters go, they are on a trimester system they have finals right now. So the students are completing their finals for the second term. It's a very stressful situation because yesterday they were told that they need to pack up and leave and not come back for third term. That'll all be distance learning. There are a lot of questions from the students, from the faculty, from the parents for certain the university president and uh, deans of the appropriate departments are on a live webinar answering every question right now. Wow. Right? And it was the most transparent. There's no spin. There's nothing. It is just answering the questions. And when the answer is, we don't know that, the answer is we don't know that. Wow. Yeah, it, it's very impressive. And when you look at what builds loyalty, what builds commitment to a vendor or a business or a university, it's that personal thing. I felt watching that webinar, like the president of the university actually re- really cared about you and your, you and your daughter. There. Yeah. 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 Um, so and so, that didn't cost any money. <laughs> so it's interesting. I just got a text as we started this and you just talk about doing what you can and being fair and open and transparent. The right. airlines, the airlines are obviously going to be devastated by this. This is, I mean, there's going to be you, tough. You, know, yeah. you talk about an industry that, you know, we think, oh, it's the airlines, but they run on very, very small margins. Right. Uh, we travel about the country pretty much for the same price as we have for 10 years. As a professional speaker, I fly like 40, 50 round trips a year. And for me from Austin, Texas to get anywhere, always my, my budget in my head was anywhere in the US as long as it was under 300 bucks. I could get to New York, I could get to Chicago, I could get to mm-hmm. Milwaukee, boom. 
10 years later doing the same thing, my benchmark is as long as it's under 350, it seems about right. And I can get just about <laughs> anywhere. I mean, sometimes it's four or whatever, but, yeah. but the airlines over a decade haven't really raised their prices all that much. Now, there's a lot of other little hidden fees. Let's not let's not make the same. <laughs> right. You know, those baggage fees that were supposed to just be while fuel prices were high never went away. But, oh, uh, well, yeah. Talk to somebody in aviation about those. That's yeah. uh, that's quite the racket. So my my daughter, though, has some flights coming up. Uh, her and her fiance are going to go visit his parents. Although if they close down Calif- travel to California, they'll never be able to go home again. But uh, yeah. her and her fiance had a couple of trips planned from now till May. And she is, you know, she pays attention to things. She logged on to see the cost of the flights and they dropped and she called Southwest and they refunded the money difference to her and gave her some bonus points and stuff like that. And she said they were extravagantly nice. And I said, talk about some people who, who should be in overwhelm, you know, and, right. uh, and uncertainty. And you talk about a brand she's loyal to. They She's already loyal to Southwest. They just earned her to be like, oh, my right. God, I just had this experience with Southwest Airlines and they were wonderful. I mean. Who would say, oh, by the way, today calling an airline, they're going to be wonderful, you know, <laughs> not not surprising. Uh, uh, that would not be the ex- right. expectation. Right. right. But, but that so that builds loyalty with our customers, too, is when we right. can be accommodating and open and fair. Well, I think the most significant part of that statement you just meant or just made is open. Mm-hmm. I I truly believe, especially when um, you're looking at millennials and whatever the generation is after Generation Z. I know, but they don't particularly like that label. So, <laughs> although, does anybody really like the label that their their generation yeah, I, gets? I didn't get to vote on Generation X. Right? No, I didn't either. I would have called. I would have called this like Generation Awesome. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like I want to back up. I just want to add some levity. I want to add some levity to this, right? We now start naming generations when the kids are like six. But right. could you imagine if you were part of the greatest generation and you were seven years old and they said, by the way, you guys are the greatest, greatest generation. generation. I mean, it, yes. you know, the greatest generation was like 60 years old, but 70 years old before anybody told them you're the greatest right. generation. Tom Brokaw, right. thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, uh, right. Anyway, the openness part, particularly for millennials and for that younger generation, spin doesn't work. When you try to sort of cloud what you're saying by fancy language or calling it, you know, some fancy term. Oh, I, I just told Tom, here's, here's the... Here's the spin example I'm going to, I uh, had to power cycle my new Wi-Fi router. Yes, before I could interview her, we had to power right. cycle. I pow- it, which evidently worked because this is going very well. Because we're having an interview, yes. Right. So I needed to power cycle my Wi-Fi router. Is that the same thing as turn it off and turn it on again? It is totally the same thing as turn it off and turn it back on again. But it sounds different. And that's spin, Right. If you're trying to spin people, particularly when people are already feeling overwhelmed and the situation is uncertain, that is not going to be perceived well. 
it's going to be perceived that you're hiding something. Mm. Mm. And that's that's not good for them or you. No, it's it's definitely not. We need plain language and as personal of an interaction as we can possibly get. So I think one of the problems that's going to add to uncertainty and to overwhelm, I think, is this whole thing of, of social distancing where everybody has to work from home. Right. My right. My, my son-in-law to be works for a hedge fund. They're going to be working from home. People are going to be doing different things like major companies that everybody comes together. They're saying, take home your laptops. You're going to be working mm-hmm. from home starting Monday. The problem with this is, is that there's already an epidemic of loneliness in our country. Right. Uh, the former 19th Surgeon General under President Obama, Vivek Murthy, is about to release a book called Together. And it's a expansion on his research that came out of an article two years ago in the Harvard Business Review called The Epidemic of Loneliness. And what he found, he was out doing research when he was Surgeon General on the opioid crisis. And what mm-hmm. he found was this underlying problem of loneliness and that people feel so alone in a world where we're supposed to be so connected because of social media and our digital phones that 20% of Americans and higher levels in the UK and Canada admit to feeling lonely some or all of the time. And loneliness, they say, is worse than smoking cigarettes to what it does to the cortisol and stuff in your body, the way it eats away at you. So now we're asking our whole population to go away. And by the way, this isn't an introvert versus extrovert thing because if you choose some solitude because you're an introvert and you like a little me time, that's not loneliness. That's that's that's, that can lift you up. If you if you choose to be, you know, secluded because you need that time, that is not the same thing as loneliness. And I'm afraid with what's going on that people are going to feel very disconnected, very lonely. And our social media tools are not providing the answers they're not. And although everyone who is listening to this doesn't know it, Tom and I can actually see each other right now. Right. We're using Zoom. And I will say that there is a definite difference between connecting vocally and then being able to see other people and as we are socially distant, that as close as we can get to face-to-face interaction is really important Mm -hmm. that we need to see each other's faces in order to feel good. So FaceTime and Zoom, you recommend as an important thing for someone in business to keep in touch with their employees. I do. For... My book, I interviewed a number of leaders, and one of them runs a completely mobile workforce. He doesn't, they don't use the word mo, uh, remote because, by definition, distance and remote means removed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're separated. They use the term mobile. Because that's what they are. People are moving around. So those of you who are working from home this week, you are mobile. You are mobile, uh, maybe mobile within, you know, room to room in your house, but whatever works. The idea of making sure that you are connected to your team, that they are connected to each other, and you're all connected to the mission of the organization, and even the mission of this week, this month, this quarter, that's what 
creates that feeling of togetherness, even if you aren't physically in the same place. Right. And it it takes intention to do that. And one of the things that really struck me was the introvert extrovert idea. One of the things I definitely want to share on a personal level, but also keeping in mind what other people need is that disconnecting. Remember at the beginning, I was saying that there were things that we can control and things that we can't. We need to be able to distract ourselves and distance ourselves from those things that we can't control. Those things that are like knocking on our door as we try to fall asleep at night, like, uh-huh. dink, 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 hello, hello, why are you not thinking about me? Dink, 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 dink. We need to be able to shut that off because as we keep thinking about these things that we can't control, stress keeps happening and the cortisol keeps pumping in our system. We need to be able to, dis- to distance ourselves from it to allow ourselves to recover from that stress. The thing is, we all need different things. So as you said, some of us need that chosen solitude, right? In order to decompress from what we're, we're doing and other people. Now here's a, here's something you may not know. Tom and I and his wife and my husband vacation together. Our spouses are very similar, particularly in the way they like to vacation. They are go, 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 go people. Like go see a museum, go do this, go with, it is activity all the time. That is how they disengage. My husband says that he is like a border collie. If he doesn't have something to do, he starts chewing on things. (laughs) Right. So it's not that he's chewing on the furniture. He's chewing on all of those things in his head that he's thinking about, you know, what's in the inbox and what does he need to take care of? So on vacation, he needs to be occupied. I think I can speak from Tom for Tom (laughs) when I say Tom and I are a little more on the sit on the veranda with a cup of coffee (laughs) or a glass of wine. Right. Right in the journal, read a book, you know, that sort of thing. Now I can hang with the border collars. I can do it and I enjoy it, but I do need that other time. We call that iguana time (laughs) that, you know, we're going to sit in the sun a little bit. I don't actually sit in the sun because I'm super pale, but, (laughs) but that time just to be occupied in a, a different kind of way. Yeah, because work for me and for you is often go, 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 go. Yes. So getting away, it's nice to be like, hey. So so here's another thing kind of in, the, in line with what you're saying. We need to be paying attention to the people in our lives, right? Not right. everyone we're connected to on social media. If we go back to the theory of the Dunbar curve and some people, you know, say, oh, that that research isn't right. But as a theory, it's awesome. And basically, Dunbird's research says that you're only going to have like five super close friends, like mm-hmm. up to 50 friends, and then 150 people who you can really know. After that, you get into community and et cetera and out, outward. Right. But those after 150 people, it's hard to really keep track of who everybody is, what their kids are, right. where they went to school. That's about the most people you can have in your general community. And I think 150 is too many. So going to that 50 number. We need to be identifying in this time who are those 50 people we care the most about that we are that engaged right. with. 
and check in with them. This isn't a time for all of us to be broadcasting on Twitter thinking that's touching people in our lives. You know, if you have 10,000 Twitter followers and you think that's your way of staying connected, I think right now is the example of why that's not true. I think now is the time we need to make that list. You don't physically need to make a list, but be paying attention to who should I be checking in with Right. Today, I, I'm, I'm part of a, a small local group. We meet for wine every couple of weeks and talk business. And one of the gentlemen in the group, who's probably one of the ones I'm least close to, I mean, I know him, but he's like 70 years old, super nice guy. He sent me an email this morning that says, I'm reaching out to you individually because I understand your business is tied to live events and live <sighs> events have stopped. And although I don't work in that world directly, I thought, wow, this must really be having an impact on your life. And I want you to know I'm thinking of you. I read that email in my literally 200 emails about it. Here's our blast email to 10,000 people about how coronavirus and our company and our service are right. tied together. And it's like, wow, you know how the dog food company is tied to it. I'm not sure. But, you know, it's like everybody's thing. His was not CC'd to the whole group we belong to. It wasn't yeah. a mass broadcast newsletter. It said, hey, Tom. As this is happening in the world, you came to my mind. I literally sat back from Mm -hmm. my email for 10 seconds and breathed. And I realized that I think that, you know, when we can do that for people, does does that help introvert, extrovert, whatever in this situation? Does that help with stress and overwhelm? Everybody likes to be seen and valued. Everybody likes to be seen and valued whether that's your customer, your employee, your spouse, your kid, your grandma, whoever, everybody likes to be seen and valued. And I do think that's a key, not only to reducing our stress, because you're right, you sat back and you're like, wow, somebody saw me. Wow, thank you. But it's also that connection that is part of the answer to the loneliness thing. Mm -hmm. Because... If we can do that for other people, giving actually feels really good. Mm-hmm. So, so as we wrap this up, what do people need to know about stress, overwhelm, uncertainty, and just the crap that's on their shoulders <laughs> as a business person? If you are right now feeling anxious or depressed or angry or just unsettled, first recognize that that is a completely appropriate reaction to what's happening. It's okay to feel however you're feeling. And it gets, particularly for people who have anxiety, it does not help to tell them to stop feeling that way. (laughs) So remembering to validate other people's feelings and say, yeah, that has to be really frustrating. Yes, that must be very worrisome. Validate people's feelings first. Ask if they'd like your thoughts. If you have some, get that permission first. But it's not a good idea to stay there for too long. And really think about what can you control? What can't you control? Make steps to control what you can and find ways to disengage from those things that we can't control. So you can disengage from that stress and allow yourself to 
to recover so that you can think creatively, think critically, and protect yourself from that stress. Awesome. Well, Elis, thank you at kind of short notice for jumping on and, and being on, on this call. I just thought this topic was too important to, to put off. And so I, I had an episode I needed to to drop and I wanted to make sure that uh, we did it right away. And thank you for clearing your calendar to do that. I appreciate it. And the audience of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, I'm sure, appreciates it because I think this is probably, if not the most important episode, certainly one of the most important episodes I maybe have done in now 400 and 43 episodes. I'm sorry, 543 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. And if I remember correctly, you told me not to start the podcast because it would be a distraction. Yeah. She said, I did. I thought it was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I I will officially state (laughs) on the 540, whatever. Yeah. 543. 543 episode. I was wrong. This was a really good freaking idea. <laughs> it has been. A, it's been the podcast has been a great journey. So, Eliz, if somebody listened to this and they need more of what you teach, they need more of Eliz Green and, and this whole idea of handling overwhelm and uncertainty. How do they find you? They can find me at elizgreen.com. And it's so many E's. E-L-I-Z. Green. G-R-E-E-N-E. So extra E's everywhere. And uh, although I am imagining that Tom will make a link in the show notes. That will happen. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for jumping on. And thank you to everybody uh, for coming on and listening to this episode. I don't tell you to share episodes a lot. I do ask that you tell your friends about the show. But I think this episode needs to be shared uh, with a lot of people because I think Eli has shared some really important things that everyone in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business leader, uh, whether you have a job, uh, whether you're unemployed, I think today this message needs to be heard by everybody. So please share this episode. Uh, As always, tell a friend about the show and come back. We'll be back in a couple of days with another episode with somebody as cool as Eliz Green. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? But it'll happen. (laughs) Uh, But in the meantime, stay focused on your entrepreneurial spirit. Make sure that your ladder is against the right wall. Go out there, try new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.